Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Free Podcast. I'm your host, Abigail Moss, and today I'm speaking with the lovely Lisa Wong. She is a spiritual intuitive coach and mentor, an author, a Reiki master, and she's a creator and master of Dragon Path Energy Healing. She's an NLP and CBT practitioner, and she's experienced many facets of life, and she's been dedicated to her own healing and understanding and working within her own shadow and understanding the necessity of shadow that's brought her to this place of infinite healing. And she comes from a mixed race, multicultural background. And we do speak of this a bit in the show. And it's really wonderful hearing Lisa's perspective on the challenges that she went through growing up and what that taught her and how it made her the person that she is today. And she speaks of forgiveness, of inner healing, and making the decision to be who she wanted to be and who she really felt she could be inside. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. We do share in the end, and you can find in the show notes how to get a hold of Lisa if you'd like to work with her. I've worked with her myself, and she's an incredible healer, and she's helped me quite a bit. So I highly recommend connecting with Lisa, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for being here. We were just chatting and had some nice banter earlier, and some good like deep belly laughs <laughs> thanks abigail is, thanks for having me yeah yeah when it's like and you're just saying too before we kind of jumped on that's like feel like laughter is kind of needed right now and you know some lightness things to brighten and um something that i've always appreciated about you is that you are really quick to laugh and really quick to like share something that just reminds us all of the hilarity of everything to not take it so seriously. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I learned that really early in life is, is if, if we can learn to laugh at ourselves, it helps us a lot in our own healing journeys. So if you have a story that you tell yourself and you look at it from that negative side, and then one day you wake up and you go, I'm going to put a spin on this because this, this doesn't feel right to me anymore. So you tell yourself a story about something that you did that other people may have looked at you askance. And all of a sudden it becomes funny because you go, oh, my Lord, I can't believe I did that. But that's so funny. And I didn't realize at the time it was such a growth moment. So, for example, you're at a, say, a family gathering where you have people of mixed beliefs and somebody says something to you and you go, oh, well, I can read your aura. And the entire room goes silent. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. One of the weird ones are here. What do we do? (laughs) And you know, sometimes as we get, grow into our path, we say, know your audience. Well, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's okay because you get the nudge that says, hey, just say this. You're like, okay. (laughs) So we say it. And what's interesting about that is in that moment, all the people who are on the edge, sitting on the fence of belief and not belief, even though they're silent, they're going to fall off to one side or the other in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that they actually search inside of themselves for their truth instead of looking at everybody else in the room with their mouths open and 
staring sideways at the person in the room going, hmm, that person's weird. Uh, weird is my shtick. I <laughs> have always been weird. And I embrace my weirdness. 100%. What a wonderful thing to embrace. And a, yeah. Something that they... Um, they teach in neurolinguistic programming and NLP. It's like the pattern interrupt when someone is like kind of dumbfounded and they're like, they have the that WTF <laughs> moment, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> which is great. Like being weird is a blessing to be able to bring forth those. <laughs> and that's like, it, it knocks them out of their usual thinking pattern. And then it gives them the opportunity to think, to, to explore something new. I love how you said, you know, you just bring lightness to it and are you just, you know, know your audience and you share kind of what's ready to be shared at that time and then they can move into that or not. It's their choice, but then they give them, gives them the opportunity to have that choice. Yes. And it also helps people widen their scope. Mm -hmm. So if they're questioning, it gives them the opportunity to say, hey, there's somebody I know that knows stuff about this and... I'm curious, but I don't want people to know that I'm curious. Exactly. Because <laughs> you know the story we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves this great story in our head. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it's somebody they feel comfortable with it, they can go, well, they're not going to laugh at me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to perhaps even show me how to laugh at myself. Totally. Totally. I used to call it like coming out of the spiritual closet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like you could be sitting at a whole table with people who are like, oh man, all these, exp- I would love to talk about these things, but they're all going to, I'm like, everyone's thinking about that <laughs> at the same time. It's like, just takes one person to be like, you know what? This is my life and I'm happy to share it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's comfort. Um, and I guess it's because of the stigma put on people who work in energy or work with um, loved ones in spirit even. And there has been a stigma that, of course, that's dark and not ideal for people and that these people are charlatans, they're going to take your money, blah, 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 blah. I mean, Mm -hmm, we can go mm -hmm. over that forever. Mm -hmm. When in reality, there's so much healing that personally I do from the things that I I experience. And when people bring to me their stories in their sessions with me, there's always a piece of that that is what I've lived. Yeah. Yeah. And it's beautiful because as a healer, you get to, it's like we're walking each other home sometimes. Absolutely. I find that like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, my soul recognizes that. And we're going to heal this together. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what's so beautiful about that is, is um, this, as you well know, this is not for the faint of heart, mm-hmm. this journey. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I first started, I had the, the stars in my eyes and the, you mm-hmm. know, the, oh, I'm going to do this and it's going to be great and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And then it went, Oh, well, no, 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 no. It's great and it's awesome and it's work. And I have found a lot of laughter. I have found some tears and growth, so much growth. And I think when we allow ourselves to change our story, mm-hmm. our interpretation, our understanding, deconstruct what it is we believe we know. 
Yeah, and then find everything. some humor in that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I used to believe this, and all of a sudden you go, wow, I must have been on crack or something when I believed that. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, I was thinking that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. That was me then. <laughs> that wasn't fun. <laughs> that's all of it, right? Changing the stories. That's like, that's the operating system that points points everything around so change that yeah (laughs) um I want to circle back just for a moment to when you're talking about kind of um I like kind of think of it as like being seen like as a healer to allow yourself to walk this path you know it's not for the faint of heart it's kind of a path (laughs) home to yourself I see it as in helping other people get there Mm -hmm. um but it's I feel like there's a lot of people and I definitely was in this camp where I was afraid of being seen as too woo or too witchy or too weird and, you know, just didn't know. It was just like this immobilizing fear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have having, I have so much respect for the people who are doing this work and for the people who are doing mediumship. There's a lot of that on mediumship too. You know, that those taboos and like old and days judgments of what should be and shouldn't. And mm-hmm. to step up in the face of that and continue to do this work that is so important. And, um, and just embody the other side of, you know, just embody what it means to just do the work regardless of all of the stories that may be floating around out in the collective, you know, it's just, it's a level of being seen that I really respect. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because having the, the way in which I experienced my younger years growing up, I have honestly not often been afraid of going, well, here I am and take me as I am. This is it. This is what, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Mainly because of the experiences I had growing up in a small town is that not everybody embraced the fact that my mother is Caucasian and my father is not. Mm-hmm. And we have to realize this is in the 60s and it was frowned upon for interracial marriages and it was actually illegal in the States. Wow. Um, and my parents got married before it even became legal in the States. I was two when the States finally passed the law that it was okay for uh, races to marry each other. Mm. So I was the, the kid in the playground that all 30 pounds of me, probably two feet tall, <laughs> would, uh, had no problem standing up for who I was and listening to the people that would tell me that I was lesser than or that I wasn't the same or that I was different. And I had no problem facing them down. And so I have actually learned that from a very young age and brought it forward to everything that I've done in my life as I've grown up. Every job I've had, I have never been afraid of, A, being accountable for what I do, taking my own responsibility finding the humor, of course, in every story that I have, but also about not being afraid to present who I am. And also understanding there are times in my life that I have to address who I was. Who you are versus who you were. Yeah. That is, and 
who you what who you were when you talk about that do you mean the stories or that moment in life or this actually both because when we have that moment in life we're telling ourselves a particular story we have a soundtrack of our life that we're playing in our head and sometimes the soundtrack is you know kind of nice gentle flowy music and other times it's ACDC or it's thrasher <laughs> music or death metal, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's Disney. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we yeah. know the delusion of Disney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Prince Charming is going to sweep me away and everything will be happily ever after forever. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted the horse. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be enough. I'll be happy with the horse. <laughs> Bring me the horse and then you go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, and, you know, some, so for you, you didn't get to hide no. who you were. You know, that's just out in. It was out there for God and everybody to see. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, because of this weird society we live in and our monkey brains of like different is scary. I don't understand. Yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, what a time to be born in that way. Do you think that you chose that life as a soul? Like, do you think that, you know, for who you are and all that you've experienced, do you think that you chose that life where you were a child of mixed race parents in the sixties where it was barely legal Mm-hmm. I did choose that. Um, I have determined in my life that I have chosen a journey of strength, honestly, and not even about standing up for the underdog, because I was the underdog for many years of my life. And to and and don't get me wrong, I had a core group of friends that they would back me up. It didn't matter. They didn't see any difference. They didn't see anything wrong. And these are the people that a lot of my strength came from. Because, of of course, I was probably head and shoulders shorter than everybody in my entire school class. Um, I was also a year younger than everyone in my class. I started school when I was five. And so not only was I the shortest and the youngest, I was also the weirdest. (laughs) (laughs) And I really began to understand from an early age that it doesn't matter what other people think of you. What matters is how you think of yourself. And you also have to remember that my family taught me a lot of this because my great-grandparents are Japanese. And during the war, the entire family, of course, was moved because um, North America was at war against the Japanese. So they moved everybody inland. Uh, There's a whole story behind that that I'm not going to share here today because it's a long story. And I learned very young from my great-grandparents to be resilient. And the other thing I learned is stand up for yourself, but be aware of which sword you want to die on. Mm, Yeah. And also about forgiveness. They taught me very young about forgiveness and how if we carry that anger with us our entire life, 
then we've actually given away our power. You just shared so many juicy nuggets that I want to unpack some of them. (laughs) 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 So so you come from a long line of strong ancestors Mm -hmm. um, who've, who've overcome challenges and come through the other side and learned a lot from that because it's all how we respond to it. And you can let it, you know, knock you down or stand stronger. Um, And, you know, and you mentioned that it's not about what people think. It's about what you think of yourself. And that's, you know, it's a simple but very profound statement, you know, when Mm -hmm. it comes to embodying that because it's really so much of what we think people think of us that's what prevents us from doing so much in life and you know in what we want to do and feel called to do Mm -hmm. and for, for you is there what was it for you that enabled you to really put that focus on what I think of myself or like really bringing that inside to see it that way and to live that life I honestly feel because there were so many people that saw, quotation marks, what was wrong with me when I, as I was younger. In that time, I had to actually reach inside and see what was right with me. Because so many people, uh, and of course we understand children will share what their parents say. They're children. They're six years old, seven years old, eight years old. They don't, they can't put this stuff together. So they're sharing what their parents are saying. And at that time in my life, I really came to understand that it didn't matter what I would do, what I would say, how smart I was, how athletic I was, how kind I was, people would always see me as being different or strange or weird. And I had two choices. I could come to terms with that and build on the strength of my own individuality, or I could sink into that and become that person that they saw, the person that was worthless and was different and wasn't going to go anywhere and wouldn't have the same opportunities and So at a very young age, I had to make a decision. Am I going to embrace my own inner power and go forward in strength, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time in the principal's office for fighting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My brother took a different road. He chose to internalize and then go home and talk to mom and dad about it. I didn't. I faced everybody down on the playground. For me, it was like, this is how it's going, and I'm facing you down. This is how it is. Mm -hmm. But I really felt that at a young age, I had to make the choice whether I was going to embrace who who I truly am and what I look like or not. Yeah, I think that's like, that's the pivotal moment. It's the choice. And I, you know, those, all those challenges, it's like, I, I, I literally talk to people when I'm working with them about, you know, all the, the stories of not being worthy, good enough, all those, you know, those things that show up, I kind of, I use the analogy of they're like the bully on the playground that are pushing you. Mm-hmm. And it's your choice to stand up. And in that moment, 
embody the strength. And that's the gift that those bullies give to you is to help you step into that. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too, when we find out that the bully is ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a life impacting moment. How did you wrangle the inner bully? Or stare down the inner bully? Stare down the inner bully? It's interesting because as we stare down the bullies that are our physical bullies that are in our presence, we need to be very conscious and cautious that we don't become the bully. Mm -hmm. And for myself is when... And of course, this is now in my teenage years when I knew everything. Absolutely. Everything. <laughs> of course. All about the we world. all do. Yep. <laughs> I had it down pat. I knew what was going on. In that time, um, I really had to do some soul reflection because I became that person that I was standing up against for so long. And it was actually detrimental to my own growth and my own understanding of myself, because I started to become that person. And we all talk about, well, when we look in the mirror, what do we see? I invite people to look into your soul, and what do you see? Mm -hmm. Bypass the mirror and look right into your soul. And at that time, I'll tell you what, my soul wasn't very happy with my self. And I... I'm great at having conversations with myself. Me and myself sit down and have conversations all the time. Sometimes they're pretty epic and sometimes they're (laughs) fairly ridiculous. (laughs) But I did. I had that conversation with myself and it was, is this who you are? Is this who, is this who you really are? Is this person that you're presenting to the world right now? Is that who you are? And to in that moment say no and then have to decide, sorry, have to decide again. Now am I going to dislike myself because I just realized I became everything that I have, I have um, fought against my entire growing up time. Or are you going to say, oh my goodness, I, I have to really start discovering who I am again and come back to that person. And, of course, we always have the choices, right? We always are presented with a choice. We can go left or right, up or down. And we choose in that moment where we want to go. And at one point in my life, I chose to numb all of my gifts and my pain, per se, um, through substances. And I told myself another really wonderful story, and it was a great story. And it had all the bells and whistles. It could have been a movie on itself. We could have been great. I would have been famous. (laughs) But when I came out the other side, I realized the depth of mistrust I had of myself and the depth of almost despair at some points. And I really... I really, basically, I took myself by the hand and said, get your poop in a group. This is not (laughs) who you are. Mm -hmm. And I started to really work on myself again and come back to that place of understanding and 
believing in who I am and what I had to offer, embracing the gifts I have, and realizing that I was actually bullying myself because I was, I had allowed part of myself to withdraw because I was so afraid of what my other self at that time was presenting to the world. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, uh, I had to come to a decision. And I did. And it was profound. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thankful I did. I'm thankful you did too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important that we have that understanding of ourselves. 100%. When you came to that decision, was there fear still there or did the decision affect that? <clears throat> One of the awesome things that my mother has taught me in my life is when you come to a decision, do it. Whatever the decision is, do it. And one of the interesting things I've, I've heard as well is don't bleed for the patient. And at that time, I was the patient as well as the healer. And so I decided in that moment where I was going to shift and how that was going to happen, knowing that it was not going to be overnight. But embracing the journey I was now going to be on, and I wasn't going to bleed for the person that I was. And I gave thanks to that person because in that time of my life, it taught me a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of things during that time of my life. And as I reflect back on it, and I have reflected back on it, I really feel that was a journey I needed to go on. I needed to experience all of the stuff that I experienced in that time. And then I had to experience the way back. Because I feel if you haven't experienced something and to bring yourself back from that, it's hard to sit in community with people who are going through that if you do not understand how real that struggle is and finding who you are and coming back from that. Oh, so much yes to what you just said. So, so much. Yeah. It's that the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell's ta- Campbell talks about where we go out onto this journey. It's like a circle. You start at your village and then you go out and you go through all these trials and tribulations and you 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 have all these discoveries and realizations and then as you come through the other side of that you br- then bring it back to your people mm-hmm. so that they can then you know heal from that journey too and it's you know as a healer i feel like so many of us go on that journey of healing this stuff inside of us and then really soon after I find anyway, people with very similar problems start showing up. Yes. Like, oh yeah. Okay. I know how to help you with this now. (laughs) And it's interesting though, because, and you've probably experienced it too in your journey is that these people start to show up and then you begin to have other experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's of course, because now we're opening the avenue for more learning for ourselves, Mm -hmm. for us to help more people who are in a different stage of their own growth. And sometimes it's the healers that come to us because there's the understanding that even as healers, sometimes we can't do it on our own. 
I don't think any of us are meant to. And, you know, I'm embracing more and more these days, receiving. And I feel like it's such a good thing for to have because, you know, you give so much doing this work yeah. to allow yourself to receive and fill back up, fill up your own cup. It's so huge. And it's interesting. I had a conversation with somebody about compliments, speaking about receiving. Because I said to them, do you accept a compliment or do you receive it? They said, I don't understand. I said, so somebody says to you, Abigail, you're beautiful today. You're looking, you're glowing. And so do you say, yeah, yeah, thanks, accepting? Or do you actually receive it into your heart and say, oh, wow, thank you very much? You can feel when that happens. I've talked to people where I gave them, I think it was you last time. I, I said, I give you a compliment and you said, I'm receiving that. Thank you. And oh yeah. my goodness, it felt so good <laughs> to feel you receiving that. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often when you, you know, give, when we give each other compliments. It's such a treat. And I think that's important as well when we're on this journey of even our own self-discovery because we never stop learning it. It's a process. We never stop growing from our own experiences. But I think learning how to actually receive, whether it be a compliment or the opportunity for rest or growth, community, whatever that is, but learning to actually receive it. So how would, what have you learned about how to actually receive? The first thing I learned was the difference between accepting and receiving. Um, I found I find accepting is very surface. So we can say, yes, I accept your gift. Thank you. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Or you can actually receive that gift and feel it in your heart space. That, wow, this person went out of their way to either create or purchase or whatever this for me. And... I'm going to actually receive this into my heart space and understand how that feels because it's important when somebody makes a gesture towards us, whether it be a person, a community, it doesn't matter, that we receive it in a way, and this is going to sound a little egotistical, but this is important, that you receive it in a way that feels good to you. Yeah. Yeah. And when we feel good, we can make the gifter feel that same connection. Absolutely. And it feels so good when someone else um, really, truly receives it. And to be that one who gets to give in that moment feels so good. And I think it's interesting you mentioned this is going to sound a little egotistical because I think we've been taught that. You know, it's like this differentiation between like, I'm worthy of receiving, thank you, versus, oh, I'm going to get a big head and all this and that. It's like, no, that's mm -hmm. very different. Like, I feel it's the ego that says, uh, no, I can't, I'm not worthy. That the ego makes us better or worse. As long as yes. I'm not thinking I'm better than anybody else, I'm not being ego. I'm not being in my ego. I'm just being in the heart space, like you mentioned. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think this is where the confusion comes in with receiving. Is people have to come to this realization on their own time that it's not from ego when you receive into your heart space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I, f- I feel like it also kind of ties back to like the bullies on the playground, you know, the stories that we hear. It's like, you have to tell the bullies like, no, you are worthy of receiving this. <laughs> I am worthy of receiving this in this moment. Mm-hmm. I know for me anyway, I, I, I've been through a place where it felt scary, you know, to do that, to, to, to be complimented and it feels uncomfortable. It's like, I don't know what to say now, awkward robot hands. <laughs> and <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trained to how to engage in this social situation. <laughs> but I think what you said, that's, it's a great, um, it's great guidance, you know, it's just, just to be able to breathe into your heart and just feel it there. And then mm-hmm. that quiets the mind and it gets you into that place of where we really do give and receive is right in that heart space. And because um, otherwise that energy just kind of bounces off and gets wasted. It's like it wants to go into you and nourish you as a gift from somebody else. So it's beautiful mm-hmm. to let that be nourished. And, you know, I've, when I work with people, when they're open and ready to do that, to, to make those shifts, it feels so good for us both. And when they're not, it's like, okay, we're both getting tired now. We'll come back to that another time. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's, it's an energy wants to flow and move and come through each of us. So let's talk about gifting then. Gifting to people. And again, when we work outside of ego, when we work in ego, we go, oh, I'm going to give this, them this gift and they're going to love it. We have put an attachment to an outcome and expectation. When you give from that place of love and heart space, it's so different. When you give a compliment to somebody, and, and it's always interesting because there are shows out there that you, you watch people giving people compliments and you, and you can tell they're they're a shallow compliment because the giver of the compliment is not coming from a place of of love and yeah, it can, understanding. Like, it can be I feel like it can be almost like a sense of obligation or like you mentioned attachment or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they're expecting something in return. Mhm. Exactly. And when you give to give only whether that be a compliment, a gift, it doesn't matter. Then it changes the whole dynamic of how you as the giver release any attachment to how it's received. Mm-hmm. Like attachment is such a big word there. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it carries over to giving, it carries over so much. I remember there was a point when I realized that the people in my life, my friends, they are not obliged to do anything for me, to show up in any particular way, you know, and however they show up is just fine. It's not, there's no requirement for the agreement upon this friendship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's like my past self used to feel resentful when I want to see them more. Why aren't they showing up? Blah, 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 blah. Story, 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 story. And it's like, that's where they are. And just let that be. And then there's such a release, uh, like a liberating release from letting go of that. I can viscerally feel it in my body as I talk about it. It's like, oh, I don't need anything from anybody. That's such a great thing. (laughs) What a great place to be. What a beautiful (laughs) feeling. 
Yeah. And now we can really just be friends and enjoy each other without any expectations of what that should mean. Yeah. I think that's important, right? So when we talk about giving and receiving, and there are people out there that 100% are givers. Mm -hmm. Give, 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 give. And there are people out there that are receivers. And then when you come from a heart space, that whole dynamic changes. Mm -hmm. Because then you understand the flow of giving and receiving. And so with that flow of giving and receiving, what does that feel like once you come into that heart space versus, mm. yeah. We have an understanding of, of course, and everybody says what you put out there, you receive in return. That is so very true. If you are a person that is kind and caring, and open to give and receive in its purest form, then you will find that the dynamic of relationships in your life starts to change. The dynamic of the opportunities that come your way start to change because you have released the expectation, the attachment, the potential outcome and you're allowing things to be in flow, so in and out, like the, like the tides. When you come from a place of giving for personal gain, you may find that people around you may not be people you can fully trust because they are also out there looking for what they can personally gain. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I think of it as energy. It's like... If I have the attachment to what I can get, I'm holding on to something that I need to try to fill myself somehow. Maybe there, maybe I don't feel like I'm enough or I have enough or there is enough. And I'm not really letting myself be nourished with that feeling. It's just like a kind of a clasping down on the heart. And it feels like to really allow yourself to receive and to give, the heart has to kind of open up. And that flow can come through, like the inhale and the exhale. And I think it's so interesting as you talk about this, because giving and receiving in the context of gifts that we give to each other, and also in the context of like the broader perspective of nature, everything in nature gives and receives exactly as much as is needed. And, you know, humans get on these like stories <laughs> of not having enough. And you can have, you know, multi-billionaires who are still tightly clasping onto what they have, trying to find more. And they're not going to find it outside of them. <laughs> yes. It has to come from another place. <laughs> yeah, the story we tell, hey? And it's interesting because when we talk about nature and being in nature, and so many people say, oh, I'm going to go for a hike because I need to get out in nature. And I think to myself in that moment, do you realize that nature gives of itself freely? without any expectation from you. None. Zero. That's why it feels so good to be there. It's like I'm in the forest and it's not judging me. <laughs> I'm judging myself less just being here. <laughs> I don't care that I'm wearing pink shorts and a bright green top. Trees don't care. The tree's just being the tree. It knows That's how to right. be. And it's like 
oh, it's reminded me how to be too, just being around that energy. Yeah. And for us to withhold judgment of ourselves, because we do, oh man, we can judge ourselves like nobody's mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Even even the the best of us, as it were, the ones of us that are continuing to do this inner discovery of who we are and um, understanding our own bits. There are even times where we will hold ourselves in judgment. We do. We will. Yeah. And we can come back from that with a new perspective of who we are as well in that moment. I usually ask myself questions when I am in that place. Who have I been talking to and what have they been saying? Because sometimes a comment from somebody can bring back a memory where you were made to believe that you were lesser than, Mm -hmm. if it's a judgment. Um, Was I watching a show that brought something to my forefront that I had not been aware of before? And I, I really start to ask myself questions at the moment. What was happening right before I fell into that mindset in that moment? Yeah. And it's, I 100% love that questioning process because it's falling into the mindset and also the mindset kind of falling into us. Like there's this energy in the collective of, you know, feeling unworthy didn't start when I experienced it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's these things that get passed around, passed down. I kind of see it coming to earth as like we're we're gradually in our own way at our own pace releasing these judgments, releasing these stories by transforming them with our awareness and Mm -hmm. kind of helping each other to do that as we're ready. But none of us are those stories. They just kind of show up. I went to this ecstatic dance and she said, just observe your judgments. And it had been one minute. I was like, oh my God, I think there was a hundred of them. (laughs) My mind does that so much. And I, you know, I hadn't realized the level at which that pattern existed you know i was talking to other people and they're like oh yeah me too it's like it's just becoming conscious of them and asking yourself these questions of what was i around was it you know where did that come in that's so helpful because i feel like it helps to create that sense of like i am not that judgment and it's Mm -hmm. easier to let it go from that place absolutely absolutely and i think and and speaking of judgment because i'm going to segue into a new topic now because um we just had the full moon in Pisces. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about that because <laughs> you know astrology stuff. That's not my forte. I want to know all about it. <laughs> so it's always interesting to me because people of different energies in their zodiac sign feel different energies around the new and full moons. And um, I'm a Piscean. And so when there's a full moon in Pisces, I kind of love to dance with the devil as it were (laughs) because this is seeing beyond the illusion and understanding the perception of the devil Mm. that society holds may not be the entire story Ooh, i love this okay so tell me more (laughs) (laughs) so pisces is is connected to the moon. The moon is about illusion and tides um, and flow and spiritual connection and um, so many things to do with the ethereal realm. 
And what's wonderful for me is when it when there's a full moon in Pisces, everything for me is exemplified. It's just everything is stronger. Intuition is stronger. And I see, be, feel, taste, hear so much better. And um, it's also about helping you see through your own illusion, helping you see through your own stories. The signs that are more grounded, so for instance, say Taurus, they struggle with this moon because everything that they can resonate with is typically more grounded understandings and beliefs. And sometimes it's hard for them to see into that space of illusion. And sometimes it's hard for uh, an earth sign to understand that sometimes the illusion is of our own making. So when we go into the full moon in Pisces, this basically pulls the veil back it doesn't even string it back slowly. It just rips the veil right off and says, okay, here, this is what you get. You can choose to be in flow and allow this to happen, or you can try and fight it, and then your experience in the moon is probably not going to be ideal. Because the Piscean moon is so much about that the flow and the tides and allowing and being in your own spirituality and your own gifts and seeing past the facade of who sometimes you present you are. And it is a struggle sometimes for us to actually look in the mirror and go, oh, that's who I am. Oh, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't realize that's who I was. And this is the perfect time to do that because it does okay. take away that. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I think that's so interesting because so when I met you, I met you and Rona together, and one of the first things you did was like, okay, let's calculate your sun, moon, and um, <laughs> ascending. Ascending. It's like, what? I haven't heard of the other two. I thought I was just a Taurus. <laughs> like that's just what we do, right? Yeah. And um, so we did the the ascending, and that's that was Gemini, which is very different yeah. from an Earth sign, and then there's the sun, which is so I think. And maybe I'll have you describe it, but you had mentioned one was how you kind of show up intuitively and one is how you present yourself to the world. Mm-hmm. So your your sign, your sun sign, is who you are. Okay. Your moon sign is how you show up emotionally. Mm. So uh, I have a Capricorn moon. So for me, emotionally, I see things in a very structured manner. So I can compartmentalize my emotions and deal with each emotion in that way. Um, So basically, if I'm feeling sad, I can take, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to deconstruct that because I'm a Capricorn. I'm going to make a list as to why I'm feeling sad. And then determine, is this a mine? Am I feeling the emotions of somebody else that is near to me or... Am I actually feeling sad? So for a Capricorn moon, this is very much about, I I need to deconstruct and figure this out. And that's how I deal with my emotions. Hmm. Your ascending sign is how other people see you. So I have a Libra ascending. 
And a lot of people see me as the peacekeeper, the mediator, the one who can see and listen to all of the arguments and come together and bring everybody into the center and go, okay, let's figure this out together. So that's how I present as my um, ascending sign. Your ascending sign is Gemini? Uh, yeah, I believe. No, I, my moon is Gemini, and I think my ascending is Leo. Okay. It's a weird mishmash. It is. <laughs> so Gemini is your moon sign, which is really interesting is um, because Gemini is this, the twins. Mm-hmm. This is also they, – so what, Gemini is really interesting because they can do a couple of things. As your moon sign, you can see two sides. So if somebody's really angry, you can see their anger and understand it. And on the other side, you can go, well, why are you so angry about that? Mm-hmm. And it's a dance that I often do. It's, it's like, <laughs> oh, I totally get you. And then five minutes later, oh, man. <laughs> Come on. No, but I understand. Right. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. so again, because there's two of them, we talk about balance. So the light and the dark. And that's Gemini will have a, a understanding side and then a not so understanding side, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay because it helps you understand in the moment where people's emotions are coming from. Because you have the ability to look at it from both sides. Whereas with yeah. me, if you're crying on my doorstep, I'll go, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm going to get you a cup of tea and a blanket and I'm going to put you on the couch and then I'm going to deconstruct why you're so sad. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting. And I love how you mentioned that, like the deconstruction of the emotion. I think that's so fascinating because for me, it's it's such a fluid thing because like being a Taurus as well, sometimes those two battle where it's like Mm – I I want things to be structured. Today is the day I'm doing this. Oh, but emotions have showed up. What do we do? But, you know, if I address the emotions, it's very much of like a, a fluid feeling dance. So I would never create a list of like what's going on. I think it's brilliant that you do. But knowing my energy, I would just be like, I'm just going to flow around that and move the energy and just look at the, like, pick that little ball of energy and look at it really close. And then, oh, okay. And then I can float that off. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. The Yeah. Interesting. So when you mentioned um, that this is a time of dancing with, you know, perceptions, the <laughs> yeah, the devil. I want to talk more about that. <laughs> the interesting thing that I find is, um, and I'm going to talk about the tarot for just a second. the The devil card in traditional tarot is kind of frightening. You know, he's got horns and he's kind of got all this fire and brimstone stuff going on around him. In a deck that I use, the devil is very different. He is a young man with long black flowing hair, and he has his hand out with strings attached to his hand and the soul attached to the strings. So it's about manipulation. So when I say that I dance with the devil, I look at my own construction of self and ask myself the questions, where am I manipulating myself and where am I being manipulated? So it gives me time because now I have a a chance in the Pisces moon for me to come into this place that is so connected into our spiritual side that I can actually find the devil within me easier 
and sit down and have a conversation about what's this manipulation about? What's going on here? What are the stories that you're having me tell myself? And how much of it is true and how much of it is, is a story? And so the devil can be what's manipulating us by ourselves, our own self-manipulation. So when we can dance with the devil, we shake off anything that is binding us to this story. He's too busy dancing to have control over our thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. To be able to move with. Yeah. And not hide from or ignore. Exactly. <laughs> Push away. Push away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also helping you release the fear of what that is to you. Yeah. Yeah. Someone had mentioned to me that fear is always an illusion. And I feel like unless you're running from a saber-toothed tiger, actually, <laughs> then yeah. <laughs> there's like the instinctual fear of like, you know, don't go down that alley because my gut says not to. Mm-hmm. But then there's the fear of like, oh, what might happen, you know, in, in all of these scenarios. If I do this, if I do that. And that's really that, that piece that really holds us back. So when we think of dancing with the devil, a friend of mine posted on Facebook this picture of this uh, roadway that was lined with trees. It was very dark and spooky, apparently. She said, would you, would you go down here? And I was like, heck yeah, I'd go down there because there's something to learn. And I was the only one. Mm. everyone else was like, I wouldn't go to, no way. And I'm going, really? And there's fear, fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. fear of what isn't there. Mm-hmm. And we talk about light. We see the light shining at the first, but then there's no light. Hmm. Can't see the light. Perhaps you are the light. Yeah, yeah. So if someone is in that place of fear, what would you say to them? to step into that part of themselves that is the light. It's interesting because the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was take my hand. Mm. I'll walk with you. Mm -hmm. I I have just whole body tingles as you say that. What a, you know, what a beautiful thing. That's really Mm -hmm. what it's all about. You don't have to do it alone. It's, yeah, yeah, you don't have to do it alone. And I think we come into this mindset that we feel that we cannot show anybody our broken bits. Yeah, I don't know why we got that as a society that <laughs> we're not ever supposed to have problems, but <laughs> here, we're all butterflies and bunnies here. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll, I'm glad that, you know, I think that taboo is releasing more as people become more and more open talking about mental health and all different things. It's, you know, it, it becomes harder to hide the broken bits when we have things like a pandemic and we're stuck with ourselves so much more than we maybe used to be. So, and, you know, that's, that's a gift in that too. Thank you for sharing all this. And I think that's a great note to wrap up on is, you know, walking with them. So if someone would like your hand, Mm -hmm. how can they reach out to you? They can find me on my website, which is www.lisawongcreatingbalance.ca. 
or you can email me at lisa at lisawongcreatingbalance.ca. On Facebook and Instagram, Lisa Wong Creating Balance. Yeah, thank you. And I've worked with Lisa and she's phenomenal and she's helped me so much with some really, really deep past life stuff and, you know, helped bring a lot of things into alignment and clarity. And I'm all about taking, you know, the hand of someone who is filled with light and able to guide me through. So thank you for doing this work for people and thank you for making those decisions to stand in your strength and, you know, continue to do that one step forward at a time. So thank you, Lisa, for being here. And thank you for having me, Abigail. It was an honor. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mind Body Free podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Lisa as much as I did. She's such a gift in this world, and she's so grounded and calm and fun and joyful all at the same time. And my mentor program is opening up soon. So if you feel like you have gifts that you want to awaken and remember and share with the world, if you want to learn tools to let go of anything that hasn't been serving you that you can integrate into your daily life, if you want to learn how to vision and come into a place of focused clarity and purpose and know your destination, with absolute clarity and feel that resonance in your whole body and know the steps that you can take to get there and clear your path forward. If you want a safe and sacred container, a community of support and weekly consistent calls to support you in amazing, incredible transformation, then the mentorship program might be right for you. We've had so many changes With people who come in this program, we've had people change their careers, their cities, their countries, their relationships. It is a place for people to truly transform, to feel held and safe and seen and supported enough to really let go of the things that were distracting so they can become crystal clear on who they are, how they can heal, and what they're meant to be doing in this world. And so if that sounds like something that's right for you, then go to mindbodyfree.com slash mentorship and book a free discovery call so you can learn more about the program and we can see if this is the right fit for you. And you can also reach me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Mind Body Free. Thank you so much for listening and talk soon.